invite you to take a Bible and to open it to James chapter 4, where we will read the first 12 verses. And if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, we'll also have the verses appear on the screen above. But we are going through as a church family the book of James, and it was intentional. Uh, at the end of 2019, looking into 2020, although there much has happened that we couldn't have predicted, we knew that it would be a time that as a nation uh, we would be making choices about our future leadership and direction. And, and so back in the end of 2019, uh, I shared with the elders that I think James would just be a good book for us to be going through in the fall in the midst of all that. And it is proven to be so. I didn't necessarily then line it up that this would be uh, the specific passage for this Sunday, but it feels very, very appropriate in this season that we would read these words together. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And this is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. James is a, a book that is, contains within it a lot of good medicine for us <laughs> that uh, isn't always what we want to take or receive, but uh, when we give our time and attention to it, we realize that we need it very much. And the first point that James makes is that just as much as there's conflict going on around us, and that was true in his day and it's true in our day, this is just a human reality, there's also conflict within us. So just as much as there is conflict all around us, if we're honest, there's also conflict inside of us. And the sooner we can realize that, the better off we are. Just to own that, that in any given day, we can go from really happy to really sad, to really excited to really angry, and we can have a whole mixture and variety of responses depending on the situation. And things can change quickly for us. 
Well, if that's true of us, then yes, we see that displayed at a community level as well, that people can have all kinds of reactions to things and feel certain ways and struggle uh, in ways that often surprise us. I'm not uh, the biggest fan of Donald Miller's uh, writing, but in a book he wrote, I think we're at 15 to 20 years ago now, called Blue Like Jazz, he was talking at that time, so don't think the news today. I don't know what the issue was 15 or 20 years ago, but a lot of protesting happening in his city. And he decided to show up to one of the protests to hold up a sign that said, I am the problem. And then kind of gauge the reaction that many people had at him standing with them in the crowd, but holding up a sign that said, I'm the problem, which was his way of saying, not there aren't other problems out there, there are, and but recognizing that there are just as many problems with self as there are problems out there in the world. And sometimes we can get really passionate about problems in the world because we don't want to deal with the problems that are going on inside of us. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to address problems in the world. He cares about the world. But he doesn't want us to do that because we're trying to get past any spotlight shining on us and the things that we struggle with because so much of the conflict that we see around us is just as much conflict that we see within us. And it's not only when things are going bad do we feel this sense of conflict. Like in a, in a lighthearted way, there's a decent amount of conflict in my home right now. Well, it didn't start that way, but our kids got their annual prayer devotional journal uh, that they get every year in the mail from Target. It's this journal that really helps shape their minds and hearts to pray in ways that nothing else does. It's also called the Christmas catalog. <laughs> and when they get their Christmas catalog from Target, all of a sudden, this, this thing that has so much potential in it also for them creates a sense of conflict because they don't just want one thing in there. They want lots of things in there. And so then they have to figure out, and well, what if, who should I ask if this is what I want? Like, we're kind of getting into the, like, wanting Nerf gun territory. And so then there's the, well, who's the more likely to say yes to this if I say this is what I want? But we actually hit birthday season and then immediately followed by Christmas season. So they, they can think a little broadly because they have two occasions coming up. But even this good thing for them creates this, well, what do I want? And if I get what I want, will I really be happy with it? Or will I wish I would have gotten something else instead? What was particularly funny this year is that when it came in the mail, I didn't even know it came, and Amy tried to hide it. And then there was a point, I think it was maybe one of the nights she was here at Bible study and I was watching all of them, but they come up to me and they go, Dad, we know that the Christmas catalog is here. Mom's been hiding it from us. Can we look at it? And I'm like, really? It's here? So it wasn't really well hidden. It was in a pretty obvious place. So I felt like if she really wanted it hidden, it'd be somewhere like where they couldn't see it. So I pulled it off and let them start uh, looking at it. And then I told her right away when she got home that I did it. But I was like, they waited three days. Like they knew it was there and they knew to come to me to ask in order to bring it down so that they could start looking at it. And now, it, just similar to last year, it takes like two days before it looks like an ancient artifact because it's looked through so much that every page is so crinkled up um, from all the research and then now different circles are on it of the different things they want. Um, but we realize, yeah, that would happen to all of us. If any one of us walked out today and then found out we won the lottery, 
where superficially we would think, oh, that's a good thing, what would we do with it if we could? And we would be torn in a bunch of different directions. If you're connected to different people, and even if you're trying to say, I wouldn't spend it all on myself and I'd give it to other people, well, who's the other people you'd give it to? Do you think they would do wise by it? Do you think they would do wise by it? Are they in a worse spot than this person? Like, you would be presented with challenges. And this is just a reality that all of us face. There is conflict always going on around us, but there's just as much conflict within us. And the sooner we realize that, the better off we are. It helps us, one, not avoid what's going on inside of us, but it also shapes how we interact with the conflict that we see with, within us. Because if we do see other people and say, I could just never be like that, and I would never struggle in the way they struggle, we won't have a ton of empathy for them. But if we can look at people, even when we know they're doing what is inappropriate and wrong, but have some sense that, wow, except for the grace of God, I think I would be just as angry as they are. Like, I don't know how to quantify the fact that I grew up in a home where my mom and dad loved each other and they loved us. I know that's a blessing. I don't know how to quantify that. To then look at someone else who had a completely different experience and say, well, I know how they would behave or I would behave if I had the same experience they did. I don't. And I, I want to have some empathy for the fact that I've had a different experience, one that has mostly given me a sense of security and confidence. Um, not that everything I'll do is right and good, but that I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who love me, and when I can't figure out how to do something, I can think of a number of people that I could call and ask for help. And just having those webs of relationships also for me has been a good thing. And when I realize how much I still struggle with things, even though I've had so much of that, yeah, there's still, all the conflict is still in here of <laughs> my own indecisiveness or the things that can get me angry at times. And so James is saying to everyone, recognize that, that we, we want things we don't have. There's things we, we really want, but we don't ask for. Uh, all of us struggle with this. And now James is not writing thinking about the United States in 2020. He is writing in Jerusalem in the first century. Jesus has ascended and things are getting difficult in Jerusalem. And the conflict is growing on the outside around him. The people who rejected Jesus as the Messiah, they're still really hoping for the Messiah. And one of the reasons they rejected Jesus as the Messiah is because what they really wanted was the Messiah who was going to come in and go to war with Rome and finally make everything right. And so they're in their rejection of Jesus as the Messiah, they are hungry and looking for who is the person who will fight the fight we want to fight. And James is trying to warn them because he's heard what Jesus himself predicted that this is not going to end well. The temple will actually be destroyed. And so in the rejection of many of the people of Jesus as the Messiah and then making them hungry to find someone who would go to war for them, James is saying, no, don't. This is, we've actually heard from the one who died and rose again that this is not going to end well. This is not what you want to invest your time and your effort in. But when we see it all around us, one of the temptations we do have is then to make peace with the world. 
when it is there, we know it's all around us, we know it's within us, one of the temptations that comes is to make friendship with the world, which for me growing up hearing was kind of like if you listen to rock and roll music, that, that was what James was telling you not to do. But that's not what James means. Uh, I mean, maybe you shouldn't, and maybe I shouldn't, but that's not what he's talking about. He is talking about a number of people who are saying, you know what, we can't beat Rome, so let's join him. I mean, Herod can get things done. <laughs> and I mean, we have actually partly a beautiful temple because of it. And there is this, what is our way of getting around all of this sort of anxiety and stress that we're experiencing? And for a number of people, it was aligning themselves with the ways of the world. And so if we can just figure out how to use the powers around us to get what we want done, let's do it that way. Which is not how Jesus did it, which is why Jesus frustrated so many of the people who were listening to him. Because that's kind of what they were hoping for. And when he chose to enter Jerusalem, not on a war horse, but on a donkey, they're like, you're not really going to motivate a bunch of people if that's how you make your entrance. Like, we need a war horse here. And he didn't do that. And so the temptation that many who are facing who don't believe Jesus is the one we should follow is to then follow those who do look like they're stronger, who do look like if you're in a fight, that's who you want to have on your side. And so that temptation to make friendship with the world, not to be kind to people, not to ever engage with your neighbors. He's not saying to dislike everyone in the world. He's talking about becoming comfortable with the ways of the world, of manipulating people the way the world does. If you just lie to them and because you see that lying works in other circumstances. That's not what Christians are supposed to do. We can say, I, you know, yeah, that person seemed to get pretty far lying. That doesn't mean I think lying is good. It doesn't mean we should try to figure out how to lie in a Christian way. There are things that we should hold on to as a core of what we stand for and what we value and what we want to see other people multiply. And we don't want to make friendship with the ways of the world. And then next, we also don't want to do that because there is a God who is pursuing us. So when he says then that uh, in verse 5, do you suppose that it's of no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? That we always have these competing voices. <laughs> Foolishness is trying to get us to join in with them and wisdom is trying to get us to join in the ways of wisdom. The enemy is trying to get us to embrace the ways of the world and God is inviting us to follow after him whatever it costs. But God is pursuing us. He is available to us. His wisdom is something we can call upon. He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. He looks at us as his creation and desires that we would follow after him. And so when we say yes to the world, it's not simply that we're breaking rules. It's that we're betraying a relationship. God is saying he wants us. And when we say, we don't want you, we want this, it's not just breaking a rule, it's betraying a relationship, which is why James says, you adulterous people, which is the language of the Old Testament again and again. When Israel is unfaithful to God, that language is used to say, 
it's not like just some bureaucracy made a law and you decided that you feel comfortable driving faster than the speed limit said. It's that the God who's rescued you out of Egypt, who made you into a nation, who called you to be his own, when you start worshiping other gods, you're not just breaking a rule, you're betraying the goodness of what he did for you. He loved you enough to bring you out of Egypt, to make you, he promised that he will do whatever is needed to do to multiply you and that you never have to worry about that if you stay close to him. And whenever Israel would say, I'm not really sure about that, Syria looks tempting, Egypt looks like they're pretty powerful, then the prophets would regularly challenge them to realize how, how ugly that sin is before God that it is a betrayal of the relationship because God is pursuing us. He jealously yearns over the spirit that he has made over us. He's not sitting idly by just sort of wondering how it's going to unfold. He's laying out opportunities for us to take advantage of, to join him, to participate with him, and to not say yes to the world or make peace with the world, but in fact to make peace with him. And if we believe that, James then gives us a ton of application points that we don't have time to go through all of them, but it would be good as uh, your afternoon unfolds and then your tomorrow and the next day. All of these are things that we would do if we really believe that God is pursuing us to follow after him and not make friendship with the ways of the world. Verse 6, he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. You see, what so many of James' listeners are tempted by is that the way for them to get ahead is by force to simply make the things happen that they want to happen, to try to, whatever they're passionate about, to go and get it, rather than to be humbled by the conflict that is just as much within them as without them, and to submit to God and say, God, I want what you want for me. I want to experience your will and your goodness. And I don't want that just for me. I believe everyone around me would be better off if that's what I do. And the question is, will we submit to that? Will we honor him in that way? Because that's the truth that we should hold most dear in our lives. Tuesday is a significant day. Every election day is a significant day. But as Christians, we believe there is a judgment day coming. And there is no day more significant than judgment day. And we want to tell anyone who's willing to listen to us that that is the most important day. When there will be no partial information, no misinformation, no deception, the absolutely perfect sovereign God will address every one of us and will stand before him 
And if we feel the weight of that, it should make us humble to then say, okay, so the way ahead is not for me to get much more angry and force what I want, but to humble myself and say, you are God and I am not. You're in charge and I'm not. What, what would you have for me to do? And if we can multiply that kind of thinking, not only in our lives, but in our homes and in our communities, right? How much better off would the world be? You could sit here today and say, I don't know if I believe any of this. I just don't believe in the supernatural. I don't believe in miracles and things like that. And you could still accept that we would all be better off. Not if we continue to war and quarrel over our passions, but if in humility before God, we allowed him to work through us for the good of others. And so that's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to humble ourselves for the world. And so it's not, you know, the warning to don't make friendship with the world and therefore all of us should just figure out how to live in some isolated community and have nothing to do with anyone. But it's that if we can embrace this posture of ourselves being humble before God, then we can actually love the world the way the world needs to be loved, which is why it continues in verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. The one who speaks evil against a brother or sister judges them and speaks evil against the law. And so if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? That's what he's saying. So if, if we ignore the counsel in the first couple of verses and we allow the warring to continue from within us, express itself outside of us, we're going to be judging a whole bunch of people around us. But if we allow ourselves to be humbled by our own need for God, our own struggle within, then we will actually love our neighbor the way that they need to be loved. We will care for them in the way that they need to be cared for. Because there are many things, and it's easy for plenty of people to say, at this point now, I just can't wait till Tuesday's over, right? The truth is, though, every problem we have, we will still have on Wednesday. And we will still have it on Thursday. And so what we need is more and more people who are prepared to honor God and to love others. That is not going away. Some things might end. But the basic struggle of our humanity to have conflict around us and within us is something we will continue to have. If we're still having it 2,000 years after James wrote James chapter 4, then if God tarries another 100 years or another 1,000 years, people a 1,000 years from now will still need to read James chapter 4. And they'll say, how did he know what we were dealing with? <laughs> how did he know what we were walking through? Because he's a human being whose heart is tuned to his God and maker. And so it's what we all need. We need it today. We're going to need it on Tuesday. We're going to need it on Thursday. And we're going to need it when we reconvene and worship in the future. For all of us to humble ourselves before him, to resist the devil so that he flees from us, to cleanse our own hands, to purify our own hearts, and to trust he will exalt us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and its power. We thank you for its
amazing relevance that when we do look back on history and what happened in Jerusalem for all those who rejected James' message even though he gave the warning even though Jesus gave the warning that there was a coming conflict that none of them would be able to endure and we can look back on that and grieve that they, they rejected the opportunity they had to repent to trust in you and you alone to follow after Jesus we do confess that we still struggle with all those same temptations uh, when difficulty is around us and even when good things are before us uh, the, the struggle has not gone away and so Father we do need your grace not to despair but to have an appropriate view of ourselves before you to do the things that we can do to resist the devil and all the ways the devil is working in our world in our hearts and in our neighborhoods and in our country we pray that you would help us as your people to be strong and to resist it but always to resist it in the way that we saw your son resist it to trust that his way is always better than our way and that you will just like you exalted him you will exalt all of his children so we pray that you would give us that kind of a confidence that it would be visible even to those around us that we know who we serve and we know what our future is and that because it is in you that it is strong and it is glorious and it is beautiful we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.